and welcome to Pastors Positive Mental Health. Kirk here. I'm so glad that we are starting a new season, season three. It doesn't really matter anymore. Seasons mean nothing, but we're going to start a new kind of interview season. And so um, you'll notice, obviously, that there is someone else here with me. And before we get to that, I just want to encourage you to please like, subscribe, and please share uh, this, what I find is valuable content. Of course, I would say that not only am I a pastor, but my specialty and expertise is in positive mental health for pastors. So I'm going to tell you to share it and I think it's valuable. So uh, let's get going. And so with me today is Pastor Austin Triplett. Now you might recognize that a name that sounds familiar. Um, yes, that's right. His middle name is mine. Um, but uh, he is my son. Uh, very excited uh, to have him on the show. Yes, he's a pastor. I called him pastor. He is a pastor at Jesus Chapel in El Paso, Texas. And so he's going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so welcome, Austin. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Glad yeah, to be how's on. the weather in El Paso? Um, it's it's actually not bad. We have, you know, low 60s with bright sun. And so it just feels it only gets cold in the mornings and in the evenings. So we get lots of good golf weather. So rub it in. We have uh, low 20s and bright sun. And it was four degrees this morning with a negative two wind chill. So um, mm-hmm. how exciting it is to be in southeast Idaho. Anyway, I guess that keeps the snow on the ground. So um, before we get in, yeah, before we get into uh, your church and your current role and things like that, but I want to know what led you to the be in the ministry. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'll try to keep this concise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, first, I, I didn't, I didn't ever want to be in ministry. Um, I think that part of that was, you know, obviously being a pastor's kid and watching as some unhealthy ministry cultures uh, can tend to uh, tear pastors away from their families. And so I just, I I didn't really have a vision for ministry that um, I wanted to be a part of, if that makes sense. Um, But one of the things I, I loved about growing up was that my my parents, you, you and my mom, um, you guys always had us involved in the church. And I, so because of that, I loved the church and I loved ministry work. I had a high view of the church because of that. And so I wouldn't trade that for anything. But I think for a season, there was definitely not a desire to be in ministry. Um, but the Lord had other plans. And so um, married a woman who felt called to full-time ministry. And so... I said, all right, well, um, if you feel called to full-time ministry, then maybe I'm called to full-time ministry. Ended up in India serving the Lord with her. And then um, over time, just the Lord started to do some work in my heart where he helped me to realize that, one, uh, not only was I called for ministry, but also gifted for it. And realizing a lot of my frustration with ministry had more to do with my own pride and my own sin than it did with actual issues with the church. And so so the Lord was gracious to show me those things and reveal those things to me and just started to confront me and help me to see that. um, I think there's a, there's a two quotes. Charles Spurgeon says something about the, the church being the most precious place on earth. But then uh, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but it's Augustine. So I'm going to quote him anyway. Uh, But he says, the church is a whore, but she's still my mother. And it made me realize that even though there were some maybe frustrations that I had with the church, like she is still a precious and beautiful place. 
and the Lord loves her. And if the Lord loves her, then then I'm called to love her. And so just felt that calling in that space to to pursue um, pastoral ministry specifically was what I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart. So yeah. great. Well, this might be the first podcast where I have to put an explicit warning on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but interesting. I just want to comment briefly on that. You know, one of the things that we find in pastoral ministry is this idea of a sacred calling. And so yeah. one of the things that you mentioned there, Austin, was that that you just felt that the Lord had other plans. And I think that, that that's something that most pastors resonate with is that they really, um, uh, didn't have this plan to be a pastor. In fact, uh, one of the things that I would warn people is if you, if all you want to do is be a pastor, run away from it. Don't do that. Right. Um, uh, and so I had one pastor years ago that told me if you can do anything else, do that. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, so I think both, uh, many pastors have, I think as you have tried not to do it. Um, but again, uh, what was it called? Who called it the hound of heaven? But anyway, uh, the Holy spirit was not, uh, finished with you. So what's your uh, current role in the church? Yeah, so I serve as the lead pastor. Um, our, the way our church is structured, we we have a lead pastor role. Uh, really what that means is I serve in the capacity of leading our church in preaching and kind of envision. But um, the way our church is also structured is that I'm one of five. So we have, we have four other pastors. Uh, one of them is on staff, three of them are lay. Uh, but really we are, we are attempting to lead the church together. I am young. I'm a young pastor. And because of that, uh, I'm going to make some really dumb decisions. And so I need other people uh, in the church that are walking and carrying that role with me so that, that we protect in many ways from my age. And so we believe that's what the biblical model is. We don't want to promote any, but that's just kind of how we operate. So I'm, I'm the lead pastor, but I lead with others, if that makes sense. So yeah. So what does that mean when you say lead pastor? What what do you find yourself um, being most responsible for? Because when a lot of people hear lead pastor, they think, you know, that means you lead everything. Um, mm -hmm. But I know that maybe in your context, that's not necessarily true. So what are your main roles and responsibilities as lead pastor? Yeah, I would say uh, there, there's there's three, I think, three main roles that I, I find myself uh, and the first is the role of preaching. Um, so I, I lead the church by preaching uh, the word. Um, and I think that that's, that is the call of the pastor is to preach the word. Um, and so I, I find myself leading the church in that capacity. The other capacity is leading the church in the way that we think about our culture. And so um, what, what does it mean to be a church and what does the family of God look like. And so I, I would say that I am a uh, leader by the, by way of setting culture for the church and how we think about ministry and how we think about one another. Maybe you could think about that. That is our philosophy of ministry. And so I kind of have set that. And then third would be, um, and, and I think that this is kind of more operational. Like I, I would be the guy who, obviously I'm here full-time. And so I have more capacity to answer questions or be here to open the door for the electricians or to kind of set, Hey, this is the next thing that we need to do in the building. Um, now there's a bunch of other stuff. I spend a lot of time in counseling. I spend a lot of time in um, leading our staff, but the, the explicit things would be kind of those three preaching uh, culture and then operational just out of sheer necessity. So, okay. So let's say I'm a guest to your church and I come three to four weeks in a row. 
Um, I'm probably going to think you're the the head pastor, right? Because you do the the bulk of the preaching, and so you kind of have more face time, so to yeah. speak. I mean, I know that you have Luke there, um, and it, though he's leading uh, the music part of the service, um, people don't always identify that guy as as a pastor. Um, and so um, that that uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. So tell me about Jesus Chapel. Yeah, um, so Jesus Chapel is a church that. Um, was born out of the Jesus movement. So in the 60s, when a bunch of hippies were getting saved, um, they started a lot of churches in Southern California. And then over time, that kind of moved uh, east towards El Paso. And so there was a, a group of churches that were planted out of that, uh, multiple Jesus chapels, but also some vineyards planted in El Paso. And um, so we ended up a church here in El Paso that was planted out of the, that Jesus movement. Um, and we've been around since the late seventies, early eighties and 40 years. Uh, the Lord has been kind to, uh, give us those 40 years and we're trying to ask the Lord, how do we, uh, steward this well in a way that moves on. Um, so we are a non-denominational church at this point in time, not necessarily something we, we love about ourselves. It just is what it is. Um, but we, are very evangelical in our doctrine um, for distinctives. Maybe um, to give a little more clarity, we are continuationists, which means we're charismatics. Uh, we believe that the spirit is still active and works in his church today, but we believe that he is he is never contradictory to the word. The word and the spirit work together. And so when we think about the things we try to emphasize here, we, we try to be really prayerfully dependent, but we also try to say that the word and the spirit both work together. We're a gospel-saturated church. Um, those are some things that matter to us uh, heavily. Um, as far as kind of what we would love to see the Lord do through our church, we'd just love to see more people enjoying God, uh, becoming like Jesus, and inviting others to do the same. So Jesus Community Mission is kind of the way we try to think through the lenses of what our church stands for. And uh, yeah, we love it. And um, I think one of the dangers that I've had to to battle against is um the the belief that maybe the the role of the pastor is really difficult and it is i want to affirm that like being a pastor is hard work don't ruin you my work, work. No. <laughs> you wear a lot of hats um sometimes you're confused on what your job description is and isn't um and people have a lot of expectations for what a pastor is supposed to be but I, I just, my church has been really kind to me. Mm -hmm. It loved me well. And I, I have to guard against the enemy who would try to make me feel as if my church does not care for me or as if um, this is a hard, a hard job. I, I think that the enemy would love to get me discouraged with the people in my church. And yet um, I have to really guard against that. And so it's been a great group of people. Well, they have been gracious uh, and patient with me as their pastor. So. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads us into kind of what we're going to talk about. But for context, uh, what's your average church attendance on a Sunday morning, if you know, if you know? Yeah, so I would say there's our average attendance is probably around 120 to 130. Um, okay. I say we probably have closer to 150 people that call this their home church, mm -hmm. but um, just, you know, church attendance is not as valued maybe in our current climate as it used to be. And so we kind of fluctuate anywhere from 120 
uh, right around that range. So awesome. So um, how do you rely on members of your church? So you kind of talked about how you do feel you're loved well um, and you need to remember that all the time, which is really an important tool to do. But um, how do you rely on those members? Now, I, I want to kind of maybe, you know, we can talk about deacons or elders in your church, or we could talk about lay pastors. Um, and so those can be part of the conversation, but I'm assuming you have different expectations for them, the elders and the lay pastors, than you do of just someone who shows up on a Sunday morning. So how do you rely on members of your church? You get to choose which ones we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. Um so I, I've been listening to a podcast recently that I won't name here, but it's it's a lot about pastoral ministry. Um, and one of the things that has really struck me in that is how often I hear people who are telling their stories about what God's done in their life, and the pastor very rarely shows up. It's just members in the church who happen to be there and have a timely conversation with somebody. Um and so I, I think as I've been kind of trying to frame my imagination around what is it that a church member is supposed to do, um, there's a few things that I've I've really come to be convicted about. One is I think that church members have a unique ability to do the work of the ministry that pastors uh, aren't supposed to have, if that makes sense. We are called to equip the saints. And so I think that um, maybe the thing that I'm I'm relying on my church members a little more for is to go where I can't go. Mm. They can go to their workplaces. They can go to their families. They can go um, to their spheres of influence in a different way than I can. And so I, I really rely on them in many ways to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. um, I think another way that I rely on uh, church members is to see some of the needs that I'm not seeing. Um, if 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 my role as a pastor, is to faithfully proclaim the word of God, then um, one of the things that my church members have done a great job of is saying, we want to make sure that we preserve time for you to do that by taking on other things. And so we had a church member just this last week say, hey, I'm noticing that there's some stuff around the property that needs to get taken care of. Would you be okay if I just take that on and lead like a committee of people and I take on that, we do work days, I was like, man, that's awesome because that's not the way my brain functions and not the way my brain works. Uh, you were in my house re recently. You know that I hire people to do stuff. I, I don't do it myself. And so uh, to be able to have a a guy in our church who was like, let me take this on. Let me run with this. Um, we recently had a, a woman in our church to say, hey, um, I noticed that um, you've been having to maybe take on more of the finances for the church as far as writing checks and doing payroll and stuff like that. And she just said, I would love to take that on so you don't have to worry about it. And um, that's huge because my tendency is to not ask for help. And so to have some people who have seen, hey, you could use help in these areas. Can we take that on? Um, has been amazing. I Now I have to do the work of being humble to say, yeah, please, please do it. Please take it on. Um, we have an, another member of our church who... Uh, she loves floral arrangements. And so she has taken it on herself to once a month build a floral arrangement for our entryway. Nice. And uh, so I, I love that she does that. And I love that she cares about that. Um, we have some women in our church who have really valued hospitality. And so they have said, hey, can we can we take on some of the 
hospitality things for our church. Now, granted, I wasn't doing those things. I, those things were just left undone. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it took some time for people to say, hey, we're noticing that this isn't happening. Can we do this? And so to see those those women take that on has been really encouraging. Uh, in other ways, we have a lay a lay leader in our church. He's um, he's in the process of becoming an elder, but he's not one yet. He's leading our men's ministry, and he has taken it on. I mean, he works a full time job. He's got a family, but he desires to lead the men's ministry in our church, and he has a heart for it. And very gifted man, loves the Lord, loves his his wife well, and we've just been really grateful that he's said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here. I'm gonna take this on. I see the need." Um, and it's been a gift to our church. So I think there's a lot of way we tried to a lot of ways we try to rely on members here. Um, my my biggest thing is I need to get out of the way sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, what you're talking about um, is is things that, that go into pos- into positive mental health. So uh, personal satisfaction is you're seeing uh, people engaged in in the work of the ministry. They're seeing the need. They're doing it. You're also seeing a pro-social attitude because you're seeing optimism around uh, because people are seeing the need and they're just doing it. And that gives you freedom, uh, you know, like you're saying, to to do what you're called to do. But also it gives you optimism that that the, the ministry is moving forward and that what you're doing is effective and that people are are participating in the work of the ministry and they care. Uh, because often, as you've mentioned, is, is that the pastor tries to do everything. And there's just some things that we have to realize as pastors are not in our wheelhouse yet. Yeah. We try to always fill them in. And, and uh, so I appreciate something that uh, we could take from what you said is is that hospitality just isn't something that you did. It wasn't yeah. your gifting. It wasn't even something you paid attention to. Um, and that's important to that, that we as pastors realize we don't have to do everything. And sometimes it's important to leave things undone yeah. so that somebody can respond to the work of the Holy spirit in their life and actually do the work. And so that's some valuable things that you, that you shared. And I think that that's a great lesson for, for many people to hear. So I appreciate that. I think you've said this on your podcast before, but um, you had a pastor friend who talked about how pastors are the most insecure people. Mm-hmm. And I really relate to that. Uh, yeah. and, and unfortunately my insecurities at times will um, make me take things on that I shouldn't be doing because I feel like, well, I'm the pastor. I should know how to do this. And if I don't know how to do this, what will people think of me? And uh, so I, I think it's a really humbling thing to have to say, Hey, I'm not good at this. I need help. Um, I don't want to want help, but isn't that the beauty of the gospel that I'm really dependent and I need a savior and that savior has rescued me. And he, he's called me to a specific calling, but he's not called me to everything that needs to be done. He has other people in his body that can do those things. And I think sometimes I find myself in a place of, I mean, pastors, positive mental health, I find myself in a place of negative mental health Absolutely, and I am taking on things that the Lord hasn't called me to take on or gifted me for. And so I'm trying to live outside of my limits because of my own insecurities, not because the Lord's called me to them. And so I think that, um, yeah, uh, I have to be, be aware of my insecurities there. So Quite well taken. So tell me about a moment. And again, I'm always looking for specific things. One of the things that's interesting 
when when I talk to pastors is they always have great big ideas, right? They know they know the theory behind it, they know the philosophy behind it, but to really sometimes drill down and say, um, you know, this specifically happened. And it's one of those things like when I would interview people when I was in management at a large coffee company to be re- remain unnamed. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, one of the things I would say is, uh, don't tell me what you would do. Tell me what you have done. And yeah. so when I'm asking you this question, I, I, I want you to, to think about a moment and it can be very simple. It's I'm not looking for any elaborate story here, but tell me about a moment when you felt built up in the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, all these are great questions. So I'll, I'll stop that refrain, but um, I don't mind it. No. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm going to tell three brief stories, and they're different for different reasons. Um, the first is uh, when a member we had a we had a church lunch recently, just gathering together to have lunch after service, and afterwards uh, a member of our church came up to me and our other uh, staff pastor, and she just said, "Hey, I see what you guys are doing here, and the way that you're pursuing." the gospel and it's the way that it creates a culture in a church. And I just, and so she's using language that we've used gospel culture is something we talk about a lot around here. And, and she was able to point to specific situations where she's seen specific people in our church uh, grow and change and love better and love and be loved more. Well, um, be loved more. There we go. That's how that works. <laughs> but she, she was able to point to specific situations. And then she just said, thank you. Like, so it was one of those moments where like, man, these are the things we're working towards and we've been working towards for years now. And to have a member see those things, affirm those things and just speak words of life was so encouraging. I mean, um, naturally people have a lot of thoughts and uh, oftentimes have critique to give and who do they come to the pastor who they see on Sundays. And, uh, so to, to have not a critical response but a hey i see you i see what you're doing and to encourage was just a, it was it was a gift mm-hmm. um the second thing is we've recently been trying to kind of think about our ministry in terms of uh how do we create in, in 20 years we meet john over at the gas station he's unsaved how do we get john at the gas station who's unsaved to being the next pastor of this church in 20 years so thinking through strategic discipleship where we're we're actually building people who can lead and pastor churches. And um, so we've been really praying through that and thinking through that. And one of the things we've had to do is recognize we got to emphasize more discipleship and theology within our church. And so we've started uh, some classes on Wednesday nights where uh, we're just been teaching the story of the Bible. And at the end of that, everybody got a chance to share their story and how God has saved them and how God has brought them into their kingdom. And it was just a really encouraging moment to hear how the Lord is doing incredible work and he has remained incredibly faithful and to hear these people's stories and just see what the Lord has brought people out of. Um, So I was really encouraged because it was one of those moments where I was able to see like the Lord is doing work even when I'm not. Mm -hmm. And so I I felt very built up in the ministry and knowing like, man, we're doing the right things because we're pointing to the glory of God and his work in the world. And these people are getting an opportunity to share that story and identifying moments in their lives where God really came through. And so that was encouraging. And then the final thing is, um, and, and maybe this is a little more 
<coughs> a little more. Um, well, no, I, I think this is really encouraging. A couple of years ago, we had a member come to my family and just said, hey, we just see the way you guys have been loving our church and we wanted to gift you a trip to Mexico. And it was just one of those like, man, our, uh, we were not anticipating that we were not looking towards that. And it was an opportunity to just be cared for. And so they just all expense paid trip to Mexico. I got to, uh, invite you even to that. And, and you got to be a part of that. And we got to play golf together in Mexico on the beach. And it was, um, like just to be able to see that a, a member stepped out like that and took care of us like that was just so uh, really encouraging. So yeah, and it wasn't like uh, every Sunday from the pulpit you're like, man, I really you know long to go to Mexico someday. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was out of the blue, out of the blue. So yeah. So what do you find to be right now the biggest challenge in the ministry? <laughs> um. Yeah. I I've been wrestling through this one a little bit. Uh I think there's there's multifaceted challenges. Uh multi I don't think that's a word, but there we go. Um the first I would just say is I think there's a lot of spiritual apathy right now. Um I don't think that people see the importance of church. Um I also think that people don't see the value of pastors in a lot of ways. Um, when you can go find the answer to whatever question you may have on the internet, uh, or you can find a answer to whatever question right. you may have on the internet. Um, why, why do I need to go to church on Sundays? And why do I need to uh, walk in relationship with the local body of Christ? So I think there's some challenge there. I think we've also, uh, in the church done a really good job of earning a bad reputation. Um, we, we've become more business and less family. Um, we've become more, uh, we've become more mission driven than we are community driven. And that matters, right? The mission matters. God's called us to make disciples, but sometimes, uh, I mean, there's a popular podcast out there right now talking about another church that, uh, had no problem with bodies under the bus is the way they talk about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think that that's, that's problematic, uh, that, that that's a very accurate depiction of a lot of churches. And so I want to affirm, man, I think a lot of churches are doing great things. And I think there's a lot of pastors that are being faithful that aren't getting news headlines. And I think that's a good thing, but I think we need to do a better job of celebrating those things. I think we need to do a better job of, uh, promoting the beauty of the church and uh, pushing against spiritual apathy. But I think that's a big challenge right now um, is apathy, but also bad reputation. So. Okay. So tell me how someone in your church has made you smile within the past two weeks. Oh man. Um, so this last Sunday, uh, yesterday I was, I was preaching at another church um, and uh, one of the things I try to do when I notice people aren't here on Sunday mornings, I try to take a mental note of that. And then after the service, I'll sit down and before I go home, I'll just send a text to everybody I didn't see, say, Hey, we missed you. Hope you're doing okay. Um, and yesterday, uh, just received a lot of text messages from people saying, Hey, we missed you. We know you text us when you're not, when we're not here. And we just wanted to let you know that we missed you today. 
And so that was really encouraging for me to um, see that that people are picking up on that. So that made me smile. Awesome. Uh, yeah, just just a encouraged to be to be missed. Yeah. It, uh, it helps you if you get someone who's a bad preacher to fill in for you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was good. But <laughs> don't let yeah. Vinny watch this. No. <laughs> so uh so just to wrap this all up, and you kind of said this before, but I think it's a great little book in here. What is the desire that you have for your people at your church? Yeah, I think the the number one desire I have for my people here at Jesus Chapel is that they would love Jesus more. Um you know, that, that seek first the kingdom and his righteousness idea, uh, that Jesus would be very real and he would not just be real, but he'd be everything. And, uh, so that Jesus community mission to enjoy God more, to, uh, to become like Jesus and to invite others to do the same. Um, that's our, our hope here at Jesus chapel. And man, my, at the end of the day, um, if, if I preach the best sermon in the world and people don't love Jesus more from it, then like we need to go back to the drawing board. And it's not so, the best sermon, right? It's not the best sermon, yes. <laughs> if I have the best talk, then I haven't. Preached yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jesus has made Wonder. much of And so that's my, my hope that Jesus would be big and that people would love Jesus in my church. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Austin, thanks so much for taking the time. I pray that the Lord continues to bless you and your ministry and what God is doing in El Paso, Texas. Uh, those who are listening, I pray again that you would share this and like it and subscribe. Share it with other pastors who might need to hear some of these things. And uh, I mean, now we're guest celebrities like Austin Triplett on here. So it's kind of important for you to share this. Again, feel free to reach out to me. My contact information will be in the comments um, and check out Pastors Positive Mental Health Institute. You can Google it and find it at ppmhi.org. So anyway, together, let's help the church flourish. 